With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. And has four job interviews this week. I forgot to put the tweet in front of me. It's Minnesota, Chicago, Denver, Denver, and Miami, right? Th- those are the four. Yeah, there it is. Thank you. Denver, Minnesota, Miami, and Chicago he's going to interview with this week. Dan Quinn is the hot guy. He's the guy everybody wants. He and Jim Harbaugh, I think, are the two really interesting names to keep an eye on. That's our friend of the show right there, Mike Greenberg. Friend of the show. Greeny. Stealing ideas from us left and right. He, well, he, He's a, but he, he, re, he requests our permission. Yep. Yep. You know, uh, yep. And then we grant it, and then he takes our ideas onto his platforms. Mm. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, by the way. I love that. So Michigan has apparently made him an offer for a restructured contract with a raise, and they're just like waiting for him to sign it. And then yesterday, I think it was Bruce Feldman had another report that if Harbaugh's offered the Raiders, like Harbaugh just keeps putting these feelers out there like, oh, if the Raiders, uh, they haven't called me in a while. Well, the Dolphins uh, would love to live in Miami during the winter. Sounds great. That's interesting. Yeah, he's sitting out there. Yeah. I don't think he's an option for the Vikings. No. but uh, He can win. He can. Oh, he's like a, a while. four years oh. and then burns everybody out and then he's shelf life the guy. Totally, yeah. at least in the pros. Yeah. So this is Purple Daily. No shelf life on this show. We just keep churning. <laughs> Daily Vikings entertainment, speculation, therapy. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. That's our mantra on this show. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff. And uh, this show is presented by Surly Brewing Company and also TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. New lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. So you heard Mike Greenberg kicking around the week of Dan Quinn now that the Cowboy season is over. He's got interviews with four different teams, including the Vikings yesterday. They interviewed Dan Quinn. And I know that Dan Quinn's name, when you bring it up, this is just sort of an unscientific poll, but when I, I feel like most Vikings fans are just immediately, ah, I'm good. I'm, I'm good on Dan Quinn because of the way things ended with Atlanta and the way things ended in the Super Bowl five or six years ago where they blew a 25-point lead. I think you know, that in itself is enough for people to just be like, I'm, we've seen it with Dan Quinn. I'm good. You know, he's 51 years old now. He's, been, he's, not, he's not like a young, hot offensive mind. You know, a Kellen Moore, you know, you know Matt LaFleur with the Packers. But I just want to go through his resume real quick and get your guys' thoughts 
on Dan Quinn. Let's entertain this for a moment while most people are dismissing it out of hand. So as a defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn led the Legion of Boom defense in Seattle to its peak heights in 2013 and 14, I believe it was. That's one of the best defenses. That's like one of the six best defenses in the last 50 years of the NFL. Number one points defense in back-to-back seasons. They should have had two Super Bowls. But he was one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL less than 10 years ago. And then he comes back around with Dallas and brings one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year to top 10 in points allowed. And, you know, Micah Parsons reaching his peak. Now, some of this is talent. Trayvon Diggs, like, they've produced a really good defense in Dallas in 2021. The Vikings have a garbage defense. Part of its personnel, some of it might be Mike Zimmer losing his touch, but the Vikings defense could use some upgrades. As a head coach, Dan Quinn took Atlanta to a Super Bowl where they had a 25-point lead over Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the New England Patriots. They also had top 10 yardage offenses basically every year of Dan Dan Quinn's career. Even though he's a defensive guy, he hired well on the offensive side. Uh, His coaching tree includes both Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan. So when you stack all of that up and you say, boy, like blind resume test, it's pretty interesting. But I feel like everyone's kind of out on Dan Quinn. What do you guys think? The problem is this, I think. So, so I, Dan Quinn is, has a lot of the same background in some ways defensively. So he, he clearly has been a head coach with Zim. Zim had not been before he came here. But I think people just see this as defensive guy, old defensive guy, must be Zim, right? And because there are parallels in the fact that they both coached defense. That's a strong suit. There's a few things that intrigue me here. One thing that intrigues me is as good as Micah Parsons was during his rookie season, I'm intrigued by the fact of how he was used, which I think was extremely creative. Yes. So so like you could have said, Micah Parsons is this, and that's all he's going to be. He's going to be good at it, though. Dan like, Quinn like, said. Like the Vikings and Anthony Barr. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not throwing out names or accusations. That was you. But I am going to say Michael Parsons was used in a very creative way that made him even better. Um, and it probably helped him to quickly achieve things that would have taken far more time if he had ever been allowed to achieve those. Dan Quinn sounds like much more of a galvanizing influence. So people are drawn to Quinn. I would not say. Trying to be careful here because it's not fair to dump on on Zimmer constantly. I don't think Zimmer was a galvanizing person. I think that he was very smart when he had his defensive fastball. I think he was really good. So, mm-hmm. but Zimmer was more of like a master schemer who had yeah. just enough of the rest of the head coach personality and yes. leadership. Like he wasn't great at those things, but Dan yeah. Quinn sounds like a people person. He's a people person, damn it. Um, which which helps. Um, I would be curious to know in the in the. Uh, interview he did with the Vikings, how much he was asked to and talked about what he learned from that blown Super Bowl. Because that had a huge effect on him and that team. They they went from they went from being an eleven and five team and they blew the lead in the Super Bowl against the Patriots to being yeah. uh ten and six to being seven and nine, seven and nine, oh and five, he's gone. Now here's what I will say without knowing how the Zooms sessions went or anything if you're going to go down this path 
I personally, and this is just from like what we've discussed and what we've read, I am more intrigued by Raheem Morris than Dan Quinn. But I get your point, Phil, and I do think it's unfair to just flat out say, well, Dan Quinn's a defensive guy and Mike was too, and they're both older coaches and I'm out. I think that's unfair. But Raheem Morris and the conversation that we had, I believe it was on Purple Daily yesterday, is why I'm more intrigued by him and what he would bring as a, air quote, defensive guy than Dan Quinn. So go deeper on that because I, it's, I, like, I like that you brought this up because inherently and intrinsically, if you gave me two choices, Dan Quinn or Raheem Morris, I also would choose Raheem Morris, but I don't know, I don't know why. Like Dan, Dan Quinn, isn't Dan Quinn a more accomplished version of Raheem Morris? Okay, that's a that is a Mackie and Judd great question. P- part of it might be that Dan Quinn looks like the guy that can't figure out how to get his Zoom camera to work, right? So it's like, like he's not well, that. I mean, he's like yes. fifty one. He's not Zimmer, a, Zimmer's almost Zimmer's like sixty five. So it's Judd. Judd Judd's Zoom camera doesn't work on so his laptop. Me. You've struggled hey, to get your hey, Zoom yeah. camera hey, to work before. Hey guys, hey guys, <laughs> hey Ziggy, you, Mark, you there? This hey, how do you? This damn thing doesn't work. <laughs> Keep it down out there, kids. Um, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Let me know. This thing on? (laughs) This thing on? I want the job. So here's why I'm more intrigued by Raheem Morris. I love the fact that at a young age he failed. But he didn't really fail. But he was put in a position to fail. You could I argue that he actually succeeded by sure. winning 10 games with I mean, horrible infrastructure in 2009. He, fa- he did. He failed himself, um, but but he learned from it. He failed himself in the sense that the Glazers are like, okay, kid, you're our guy. And he's like, this is great. And then they're like, okay, kid, we're cutting basically all of the veterans that you value. And he didn't say, hold on a second. No, 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 no. If that's what you're going to do, we got problems here. But he learned from that. Um, I'm sure Dan Quinn has learned as well. But the thing about Morris that I think could be really, really key is he's still young. He's what, 44? And, and so, like, like, he's 10 years removed from the start of this experience, which at the time was probably jarring and not a ton of fun. But now, I think is valuable. I like his age. I want a guy in 2022 that can not be players friends, but relate to players. I also, I'm going to continue to bang this drum. I love the fact that Raheem Morris as a position coach, after his head coaching experience went from the defensive side of the ball, which is, and and I'm not, you know, I'm saying a defensive coordinator type. So he's really good to, Oh, I'll coach wide receivers. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of things in his bag that really intrigue me. Not to say that Dan Quinn's bad, but that's why I would go with the younger guy who I think has a chance to not be friends with players, but relate and and definitely has experience now and knows both sides of the football. Yeah, I think the more I've sort of sat on this question of, why Raheem Morris and not Dan Quinn, even though Dan Quinn is more accomplished, it feels like Raheem Morris hasn't reached his full potential yet, that he's on some, he's on a growth trajectory still, right? That there's unfinished business 
as a head coach, things that he learned 10, 11 years ago. And just, you know, if you haven't listened to yesterday's episode of Purple Daily, we did a deep dive into, we did a bonus episode on Raheem Morris. That job in Tampa, a lot of people are looking and saying, oh, he was like 10 games under 500 over three years. You know, he like won three games and got fired his last year, Ugh, which is how they look at Todd Bowles, too, in, in, in New York with the Jets. But that Tampa team, in, in at least a couple of those seasons, maybe all three, was the lowest spending team in the NFL. This is when they were also going through a new CBA. They had an uncapped year at one point during his stint where some teams were spending yeah. a ton of money. And the Buccaneers had stripped it all down. There was like the Buccaneers spent less money on their team in I think the first year of Raheem Morris's tenure than any team has spent on a roster in like fifteen years. They spent like eighty million dollars on their entire roster in one of those years, and the top spending team was like one thirty five or one forty. So they they stripped everything down, and they still won ten games with young players and. And I, I just love some of the things we're hearing, the, you know, the people that are going to bat for Raheem Morris, Mike Tomlin going to bat for him publicly, mm-hmm. and Jalen Ramsey going to bat for him publicly. So maybe it's just an incorrect perception that Raheem Morris has more upside as a coach, but it kind of feels to me like we've seen Dan Quinn. You know, not that he's a finished product at 51. Like, you can still certainly evolve, as Judd has done in his early 50s. Like, you can evolve in your early 50s. But my my sense is that we've seen Dan Quinn. He's he's a good coach. Would probably be a competitive head coach, um, but we haven't seen the next step of Raheem Morris, and I'm curious as to what that is. Save this clip for old tweets exposed <laughs> when 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 Raheem Morris goes like two and fifteen or something. What do you think, Declan? Uh, my curiosity with Dan Quinn is just trying to figure out like who. Who the hell is exactly Dan Quinn? So he was a defensive line coach with the Jets. He actually was a defensive line coach at the University of Florida before he took the job with the Seahawks and the Legion of Boom, the number one defense, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman. Yeah, a legendary, might be one of the greatest defenses ever assembled when it's all said and done. But then he goes to Atlanta. And this is how Atlanta's defense ranks under Dan Quinn when he was head coach and just in terms of points allowed. 14th. 27th, 9th, 28th, 20th, 20th, 29th, 17th, and fired. But when he was the head coach in Atlanta, his offenses in points were 21st, 1st, 15th, 10th, 13th, 13th, 16th, fired. Yardage, they were even better, which actually is kind of an indictment that they were always like a top seven or eight yardage offense. And they couldn't cash in on the point side. So did he, he has obviously defensive background. He goes to the Cowboys and turns around that defense. And the, and the Cowboys defense last year was seventh in points, but 19th in yards. So they did a pretty decent job, at least not allowing touchdowns, which should be the end goal of your defense. But when he was a head coach, the Falcons weren't known for being a defensive team necessarily. They're known for being an offensive team. So is that a product of him either molding to be an offensive guy or was that someone who lost his fastball defensively I just don't know who he truly is it, it's a product of hiring actually the offensive side which is which which is a credit to him sure so he had he, he hired Kyle Shanahan to be his offensive coordinator and Matt LaFleur was the quarterbacks coach for Matt Ryan during I think during Matt Ryan's MVP season mm-hmm. so you know this and again this would be a credit to Dan Quinn you bring him in and say all right so you know definitely need to fix the defense here but we need to maximize some really talented offensive weapons 
And I think his answer on that initial Zoom call, if they talked about this, would be, well, I identified and hired two of the brightest young minds that are now playing each other this weekend and thriving as head coaches. So trust me, I can find an offensive mind to maximize that side of the ball. And I think that's what he would probably say. And plus, if you are going to get this job and you come in and say, I am a defensive guy and I plan to build that defense out and we're going to be top five, you don't get the job because this is an offensive team. So, so like, I actually like that. That Dan Quinn said, Matt Ryan, what, Julio Jones at the time? Mm -hmm. Like, that. there was a nice core group there that, to Phil's point, was clearly well coached. Um, but yeah, the last thing that you want, I think, is a defensive guy to say, and I'll be focused on that side. I mean, we, we saw that. It worked for a while. But um, the Dan Quinn thing, what Declan just broached doesn't bug me because I think he probably looked at the pieces in place there with the Falcons and said, hell yeah, let's go. And and yards, scoring defense ultimately, obviously important, but like I don't get caught up completely in yards. If you can, if you can shut teams down at the proper time and more importantly, outscore them. Th- that's the thing is if you give this Vikings de- or offense a chance and it's well built, you're going to be in some games that absolutely turn into shootouts, but guess what? You're going to win some of those games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let us know for, for the audience. Let us know what you think. I know most people are just dismissing Dan Quinn just for all the things we just talked about, but give us a shout in the YouTube comment section here on this episode and let us know. What do you think? Are you are you considering Dan Quinn as a fan, even though he's not the splashiest name? He's kind of a recycled name. Are you? Are we? Are are we? Are we just? Are we? Are we just overlooking him because of what happened in that Super Bowl? Of the supposed defensive guys on this list, I think I would put Raheem Morris first, Dan Quinn second. Bowles would probably be third, and I don't know exactly why with Bowles, but I think, but I, I think Quinn would probably be second. I, you know what, too, and it's not fair to Todd Bowles. But that, that Jets job is such a cesspool. It's so hard to And I don't know yeah. if you can learn from that because it's such a piece of crap. Yeah. That's right? Tough. It's tough. Like anyone who flamed out with the Lions, with the Browns, the Jets, and even the Texans to some extent, I feel poor, like. Like poor David mm. Culley. He gets one year in that bleep hole place, and they're yeah. like, you're fired. Well, I'm not sure he was ever qualified to begin with. He like, probably wasn't. But still, like that was the ultimate, hey, take this job. You're going to fail. Yeah, I mean, hey, a guy probably made a million dollars to well, yeah, but coach an NFL team. Still no, embarrassing. Uh, assistant somewhere. The thing, too, that I think becomes incredibly important about this job, and this is where I hope the Vikings see this right as they go through this process, is I know that Zim was a tyrant, especially by the end of his coaching tenure, and I know that he rubbed people the wrong way. But I think there's a big difference between trying to get a guy who's different than Zim because he's enthusiastic and rah-rah and a smart person. Morris strikes me as being smart. And he can relate, and I'm sure he's nothing like Mike was. Uh, But the one thing in football that we've seen, right, is like, well, Glenn Mason is very serious. And he's, you know, Tim Brewster, he's, he's, and I'm not trying to insinuate that the Vikings are going to do that, but like, I would not be excited if a person who's just enthusiastic c- comes in. I think to me, the top priority is actually intelligence and smarts mm-hmm. and, and the ability to relate to people, which is not some BS let's go team. 
And look, being upbeat is great, uh, but I think there's a difference between this guy's really upbeat and really gung-ho, and this guy's just really damn smart. I think my current list in order for head coach is Raheem Morris, number one, Doug Peterson. I'm going to say Raheem Morris, number one, Nathaniel Hackett, number two, Doug Peterson, number three, and Byron Leftwich, number four. I know that they have not spoken with Byron Leftwich yet. Right. I don't know if they will. But I think that's my current list. Boy, I might put Peterson second and Hackett third. I wouldn't fight you there. Because he's coached before. Yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah. That's that's probably right, though. That's probably right. And maybe this point. Maybe Dan Quinn is maybe Dan Quinn is fifth. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put Dan Quinn fifth right now. I'm gonna give Dan Quinn some love, put him on my short list, but like as an alternate. You know, if one of these other guys like takes a job and he Yeah, Dan, we'll get back to you. In. Yeah. Don't call us, we'll call you. What's going on there, guys? Dan Quinn. Um, all right, we uh, a couple more things on the show here today. Rick Spielman opened up about quite frankly his failure to find quarterbacks as Vikings GM. We're gonna get to some of those clips and random Viking of the week, but Judd hasn't failed to lose weight the last few months. Oh, I have not, Phil. And that, that is, of course, thanks to our friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, down 30-plus pounds since I started. And I want you to join me now on the Livia I Did It Eight-Week Challenge, where you get your first eight weeks for free. That's right, for free. First eight weeks, I lost 26 pounds. Imagine getting to springtime and you've lost 26 pounds and you haven't paid them yet. That is the offer. It's a great one. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, Livia.com, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. And by the way, if you're in-state here, certainly call them or go to the website. But here's the best part, consultation via Zoom if you don't. So, So if you're in Florida, New York, Los Angeles, Utah, I don't care if you enjoy this show and are looking to lose weight. Livia.com. They can help you anywhere in the country. Awesome. Um, all right, Dex, let's play the first clip here. So this mm-hmm. is from the Moving the Sticks podcast earlier this week with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. And they do just a lot of deep X's and O's. They're both longtime scouts. And so they brought Rick Spielman on the show to talk about just a little bit about his time sort of ending in Minnesota and the current playoff teams. And Spielman, when talking about some of the quarterbacks that are currently left in the playoffs took the conversation in a different direction. Let's play the first clip here. You know, when you talk about the quarterbacks and I've made some mistakes through my career on quarterbacks, and I always thought the number one thing to look for was the intelligence part of the game. How smart are these guys? And we do a lot of different types of psychological testing, a lot of different types of intelligence testing. But what I learned not only do you have to be smart, but you have to have mental quickness and how quickly can you process things. There's more here, but just, just to pause it real quick. I'm frozen. That's really interesting. Declan's frozen. Not frozen. You get it. <laughs> it, it, it it's you, good again. You, you, yeah, you want to fix it or you, should we just let you yeah, sit there? I'll see what I can do. You guys keep talking. Okay. okay. It's a good freeze. Um, so jealous. What do you think of that? That, that he always used to value intelligence wow. above all else and then realize somewhere along the line, and we're going to get into more of the meat and potatoes wow. here, that processing information quickly is just as important as how smart you are. Okay, I think a lot of things. I'll, I'll say a couple. One is 
if that Rick had existed when he was GM, like he's, that's really good. Like that's in- insightful. And I'm not saying that he has to be an open book. Um, but I, I think there would have been a lot more sympathy towards his plight if we had heard that Rick instead of the Rick who is GM and is trying to deflect things or not talk. Uh, but I, I don't understand how he didn't learn that quicker and subsequently gain confidence in himself then, because it felt like Phil, by the end, he had sort of like bailed on QBs until he took Mond. Uh, Kirk was a, Kirk was a guy who came here established. Um, But it really sounds to me, not sure what you think about this. Like he's talking about the ponder pick. Because Christian Ponder's a really smart dude. Like, yeah. we can rip him, but he is a smart, he is a book smart dude. He's back on Twitter, by the way. He was, like, off oh, really? Twitter okay. for years, and he was tweeting during the playoff games. Or Interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, he's a guy who wowed them because of his intelligence. What he couldn't do was process. Um, so, I guess my question to Rick off of that would be, as you learn that, which which I guess you should know, but as you learned that, why didn't you gain confidence again? And it seems like he didn't. I'm going to play another clip here from Rick expanding. And the one thing that we really tried to get at, which we evolved over the last couple of years, was I can go and interview a quarterback. Uh, and I interviewed many down at the combine, or we had a whole program set in place on let's go out, let's visit this quarterback. Uh, the offensive coordinator is going to have a plan, he's going to install a scheme, he's going to install concepts of a passing game and pass protections and a quarterback can sit there. We kind of watch and see if they took copious notes. And a lot of these guys went up there and talked verbatim what the coordinator said. And even sometimes sounded better than the the coordinator that's explaining it. I was like, yeah, this guy's going to be a hell of a coach. someday." Interesting. So, uh, you know, here's the, Here's the situation. Here are the reads, et cetera, et cetera. And you get up there for 10, 15 minutes, and you look like a maestro. You look like a genius, right? But you don't get 10 or 15 minutes to look like a genius when Von Miller or Aaron Donald are coming at you. Here's the third clip. The point that I missed was that that's great. You can go up and draw that, and this safety's rolling down, and this linebacker's coming off the edge, and, you know, where's your hot reads and stuff. They can talk about it, but that's a 10-minute process. Can they do that in two and a half seconds? So we really tried to hone in and focus on not only the intelligence, but also uh, the mental quickness and how quickly they can read and respond because there's a lot of smart people out there. But if you can't process that in a two and a half seconds that you have, that's where where, uh, I've saw and myself personally had some failures. I, I think it's – I commend him, man. I, I wish he would have been more like this for the, you know, 12-plus, whatever, 15 years he was, you know, speaking at podiums and stuff and in his job with the Vikings. But I think when they when they asked him about the quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs right now and you're like, what do you think of the Burrows and stuff, I they didn't preface it by saying, now, Rick, I know you've struggled to find quarterbacks, and so let's take your opinion with a grain of salt here. like. They asked a former general manager about the quarterbacks left in the NFL, and he felt that he had to add the sort of qualifier of, now, before I give my opinion, like, I've had some failures identifying quarterbacks, and I just thought that was a really interesting piece of introspection from him. 
It is, but it brings me to have more questions, like, which is, how do you not know that? Like, if I put Christian Ponder at a board, I guarantee you he did great. I guarantee you he killed it. Absolutely. Christian Ponder um, is a smart, smart guy, but, like, and he it's, always used to say easily correctable because in yeah. his mind he's like, oh yeah, like all we have to do is this. Well, but right, then when, the, but then when you're in the live action playing field, it's like, oh, that solution that I came up with at practice is moving a lot faster. What do you do when you watch film? You see it slow down, right? Like, I mean, I can't tell you the the um, amount of hockey players who get put in the press box and are like, game simple up there. Yeah. Like to me, to Declan, to yeah. you, the game's simple. I'm watching simple. it from above. It's great. So, but what I don't understand is, is okay, I can understand early in your career, that's a problem. But like at some point in time, I would think by the time that you become a GM, the synapses are like, okay, this guy's good and he's really convincing. This goes back to what we've talked about for years now. And I've always been convinced that in some ways, the combine is the devil. Because you go to the combine and you see a person's a- athletic traits, and these guys are are going to be pros. So they've guess what? They're good athletes. And you sit down, and this whole thing, and Rick valued it so much. Of I sat down with this guy, and I and he told me, and that's what he's talking about, right? We send him up to the chalkboard, and he diagrams plays, or we do this, or we do that. Ultimately, the reality is this: your film no matter where you played is your is the bible of you your film is because if i slow things down or i tell you one the scariest thing you can fool me <laughs> you know oh man great kid great kid turns out to be a terrible kid the second thing though is you know these guys play football if you just say hey go up to the board and show me this the majority are probably going to be pretty damn good so that I guess I I'm just so confused as to where you wouldn't be like okay, Johnny is great in the combine and we sat down with Johnny and he's a real good kid, but we gotta dissect the film more than anything else, which so, I'm sure they did. And one thing that he talked about too, just sort of in the flow of this conversation was they have worked with I think Heath Farwell was part of this company yes. where you could put like we a sort of a 360 degree camera at eye level where the quarterback's eyes would be, and you can put that camera at practice right behind the line of scrimmage. And so, you know, the starting quarterback's going to get most of the reps with the first-team offense against the first-team defense, and some of the backup quarterbacks just don't get as many reps. And and they had this system in place where they would film practice from the quarterback's perspective, almost like virtual reality. And then they would have the backup quarterbacks then strap the VR goggles on throughout the rest of the day or week and take those same reps just on their own. Mm-hmm. And so they, they put a lot of work into just like trying to increase reps for backup and young quarterbacks and even starting quarterbacks. But he said the pandemic kind of derailed like some of that work that they were doing a couple of years ago. And But like this work was going on four or five, six years ago too. So I'm a little confused. It's, it's funny because he clearly has identified the biggest <laughs> hiccup in his, in his game as a GM, right? But it, the gap between... Kellen Mond, I'm trying to think back, like, was it Teddy Bridgewater? Like, Teddy Bridgewater was, they took the Teddy Bridgewater shot in 2013 or 14. 14. And they didn't take another first, second, or third round quarterback for seven years. Yeah. Right? So 
he clearly, I think, lost confidence. But you're right. Yeah. It, it would be like, why wouldn't you – like, did, did he just bail at that point? It seems like Oh, it. man. What do you guys think the future holds for Rick? So he's only 59 years old. You know, I think – you know, he, he did tell those guys on the podcast he's, he's going to go on a vacation with his wife for a while and get away, but he's got, he's got some opportunities lined up. But, you know, he didn't get into detail. Do you think he becomes an NFL general manager again? I think he spends a year at least in TV. Because he can do it. Like, like, that's the thing is, if you go and listen to that podcast, that Rick is pretty good. Um, yeah. And certainly knows his stuff. So I think he's going to spend at least a year in TV. Uh, and Will he get another shot as a GM? I mean, he knows lots of people. It's that sort of league. So I mean, there's, he, the, the so Lions there's would be an easy, like his, his brother's working yeah. for the Lions. Right? You know what? You know what? I wouldn't give it to him, but I'm going to say yes. Yes, I'm going to say he spends at least a year out of the game, but uh, still in the game as far as watching film and keeping track of personnel. Uh, and I'm going to say he gets one more shot because I think he's going to, to say, hey, look, we had success. At the end, it blew up. That's partially on Mike, if not mostly on Mike, in his opinion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll say yes, he will. Yeah, I think he gets one too. Um, you got to keep in mind all these other Positions, positions that are opening up and whatnot, like other teams have to fill voids, whether it's not just GM, but, you know, player personnel, scouting, all this stuff. Like, does he get the actual title of GM again? I don't know. I think that remains to be seen, but I do think he finds his way back on an NFL team doing some type of similar capacity role that he had before. Yeah, I think he definitely adds a ton of value to a front office. Um, it's kind of 50-50 as to whether he gets sort of the, the head job in a front office, but... um if he wants to work high up in an NFL front office, he will for the next five years for sure. Fifty nine is still like you still have probably five or ten years left of. It's getting pretty old as far as oh, I'm okay. concerned. <laughs> I'm tired these days, and I'm only fifty two. I can only imagine seven years from now. You look like you need a surly right now. Is that my problem? No, you just yeah, you look. A you know thirsty. what? Here's the thing: Rick Spielman has been fired. Because he couldn't identify the most important thing in his life. And make no mistake, that was quarterbacks. Well, guess what Judd Zolgad can do? Judd Zolgad. just for his kids. It's Judd, no, hell no. I don't wife. have kids. I don't have kids. And Dawn and Stella are great. But I'm going to tell you right now, what I'm good at is identifying draft picks. And I don't mean football players. I mean beers. There's only one draft pick here, folks. Surly Brewing, Surly Furious IPA. In fact, you know what? This weekend, as you're watching the games, yeah, that's right. Show us your cans on Twitter. Show us your cans. At Jay Zolgad. I always appreciate it. Declan, not surprisingly, does it. Join him. Show us your cans. Show us what you're drinking and make it surly furious. That's right. Show us your cans. Uh, also, hey, Federated's been helping business owners for over 100 years. If you are a business owner and you enjoy Purple Daily on a daily basis, then maybe Federated is a great partner for you. They're all they're basically an offensive line, a competent one for your business. An all-pro offensive line. They're here to fend off risks, maximize the success of your business, and you can tap into their many resources by going to federatedinsurance.com. Check out information on my shield and remember at federated it's our business to protect yours. It is time for the random viking of the week here on Purple Daily. Hey, the fans are there, huh? The crowd? Studio yeah, we have a, li- a live audience live here audience. in Seattle or where? Great. Uh, no, they're just like out in they're They're in the, the internet ether. ether is where they are. So Judd, if I'm telling this right, Judd has a 15 to 6 lead 
on Declan and a three-game winning streak on Random Viking of the Week. You've correctly, in the last few weeks, identified Mitch Berger, Nalfahu Tahi, and Captain Munnerlin. Declan's last correct guess was about a month ago, Daryl Bevel. Snuck a coach oh, in. The good, yeah, you, you did, and I didn't like you for it, but good job by Declan. It's not called Random Vikings Player of the Week. It's I just Random Vikings. I just said I didn't I like might you sneak for an it. equipment manager in on you guys. At Dennis Ryan. <laughs> wow. He's got it before, before the first clue. He gets it. What was his name? Bussmerts. All right. All right, so here's how this works. I throw out a series of clues. You guys each get up to three incorrect guesses before you are eliminated. And uh, if you want to ask me questions, you can. I have the ability to refuse to answer if I feel like it is what's best for the game. This random Viking of the week hails originally from Norco, California. I don't know where that is. N-O-R-C-O. Yep, no Googling. No, I'm writing down the clues. I write them down. This random Viking of the week played college football in the Pac-12 and is the youngest of six siblings, all of which were also college athletes. Just six college athletes roaming around. A great family of athletes. Good parents. Mm-hmm. Good genes. Yeah, great genes. This random Viking of the week is currently a senior manager of sales enablement at a company called Asurion in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, he is a senior manager of sales enablement. That is his his current job title. What does that mean? At a company called Asurion in Nashville, Tennessee. What is that? What is sales enablement? I don't even know. Sales coordinator. He is the manager manager. of enabling sales. He enables the sales to take place. He enables the selling. That might be the stupidest title I've ever heard. Mm, I don't know. It has nothing to do with it. You never know. I mean, executive producer is a good title. He spent six years in the NFL with two teams. And I will say, in those six years, he played on only one team that won more than six games. Ooh. He played on a lot of bad NFL teams. Ooh. Which is probably part of the reason why he's currently a senior manager of sales enablement at yeah, six years in the NFL, in Nashville, he Tennessee. Played his cards right. Jeez. Yeah, he made you know made some money playing six years in the NFL. Okay. His two Vikings coaches were Brad Childress and Leslie Frazier. His father, Todd, was a running back at Cal State Fullerton and played in the USFL and also coached him in high school. In this random Viking of the Week's football life, he has been teammates with Brett Favre and Andrew Luck. See the wheels turning. I know Declan wants this really bad. Declan took it so hard last week when he couldn't get Mitch Berger. Let's see here. This random Viking of the week was one of the best players in college football. But obviously, because he is a senior manager of sales enablement at Asurion in Nashville, Tennessee, 
his NFL career didn't quite live up to the hype. He was drafted by the Vikings and made about $10 million playing football over six years. Most of it with another team. One of his football coaches was Jim Harbaugh. Silence from you guys. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm sure Dex is too. I'm sure Dex is too. Um, so Jim Harbaugh. So I. This random Viking of the week. All right. Is listed at six feet tall, two hundred thirty-one pounds. Okay. One of the best players in college football. Toby Gerhart. Oh yeah. Nice, Declan Goff. Nice, Declan. Back Way to go. on the board, dude. Way to go. <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a unanimous All American at yeah, Stanford in 2009. Ran Vikings. for 1,800 yards. Yeah, bunch of touchdowns. They trade up to get him, right? Yeah, they traded. Uh, they, they drafted him 51st overall, man. And yeah. he did have some injuries and stuff. Um, he signed a fairly decent contract with the Jaguars. That's but, right. Oof. Yeah, That's right. Ca- Free agent pickup. That's right. Yeah, but he ooh. he caught the end of the Brad Childress train wreck and the yep. Leslie Frazier years, and it was and then P- obviously Peterson was the right was the was, bell cow running back there. Was so. he a Heisman finalist? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Pretty sure he was. Yeah. The stand nice. Nice Dex. Dex is back go. on the board. Declan right. is back, dude. He's back. Can sleep this he week. won the Archie Griffin Award in 2009. Yeah, he a... won the Jim Brown Award in 2009. He was the Pac-12, Pac-10 at the time. I'm, I misled you guys. Uh, offensive Player of the Year. And was he a Heisman? I just want to see. Uh, I thought he was a Heisman. I thought he was, was, too. He ran for so many yards. Yeah, he finished. He was one of five finalists for the 2009 Heisman and finished in second place behind Mark Ingram. Wow. Alabama, right? He ran for 1,800 yards in 09. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a bonkers college career. Eight, he, 1,800 yards rushing and 28 rushing touchdowns for Stanford in 2009. Yeah. What? Didn't quite, didn't quite fulfill it. And he, is, uh, he went back to Stanford and finished out, I believe, a business degree. And mm. is now is just a work. He's a working man. He's a working man. So Toby I Gerhardt. didn't realize he got a real job. Yeah, I mean, if he invested right, he probably. I mean, I hope he he, to, it's work that he enjoys because he. I was going to say he had to have an. I would think he invested right because he was a, not exactly a party guy. Oh, maybe he maybe he put it all into. I wouldn't call uh, him a bore ass, but I wouldn't call Kurt him a Schilling's guy. baseball card company oh. that went. Oh, oh really boy! Out. Oh boy! Or oh, comic boy. books or something. I don't know what it was. All right. Sometimes athletes make bad events, but there it is. Declan's back, on the, back on the board. Dex. Random Viking of the week. Tomorrow we'll be back at you here. We'll keep our eye on all these coaching uh, interviews and GM interviews, daily Vikings entertainment and speculation and therapy. See you guys.